As God speaks to us all this morning, we ask that he would just encourage us and uphold us as we face our life together by reading of his word, by listening to the service, to the sermon, or by sharing in conversation with others, may we each gain something from this time together. As the prophet Jeremiah says of God, I know the plans I have for you, plans for prosperity, not disaster, plans for hope and the future. That's what we often refer to as the prophet of doom. Uh, bringing us those encouraging notes as we start the service. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. But when, they, but when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, let's just pray as we uh, move into this next series of our, uh, of our lessons. Heavenly Father, we just ask that uh, we come together as we open your word to explore it. May we know more of your name, more of your words, and more of your desires for our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. There's a dreaded word appeared around our house and around people we're talking to now. And it's a word I'm not fond of saying this early in November. But Christmas. Halloween's gone. Bonfire night's out of the way. When is the appropriate time to start talking about Christmas? When can we actually begin to have this conversation? Uh, friends of ours there, well, when I, I, was, I was ordained at the beginning of September, and there were three of us, uh, two of my very close friends were ordained along beside me, and out of the two of them, I'll not name which, they always put their Christmas tree up the night that I'm a celebrity starts. Just pretty early in November. That might be next Saturday, maybe the Saturday after. It's quite an early tradition for them to have in their house. But when is an appropriate time to start talking about Christmas? I'm not going to talk about Christmas today because it is too early for me to engage in Christmas. But when we inevitably will reach our Advent season, start to think about Christmas, we'll start to hear stories we've heard over and over again. We'll start to think, uh, oh, I know where this is going. And we know what happens in the story. 
we become so familiar with the story, it almost begins to lose meaning. So what I want to do for you this morning is I'm going to tell a story. Tell a story you might have heard before. And then there's going to be a quiz based on the story for how good your listening skills are. How good your comprehension skills are. Maybe we've got P7s doing lots of comprehension tests at the minute. Uh, so we're going to have a, a wee bit of a comprehension. So listen in and listen carefully. One day, Goldilocks decided to go for a walk in the forest. Pretty soon she came to a house. She knocked on the door and when no one answered, she walked inside. At the kitchen table, Goldilocks saw some bowls of porridge. Goldilocks was hungry, so she tasted the porridge in the first bowl. This porridge is too hot, she said. So she tasted the porridge in the second bowl. This porridge is too cold. So she tasted the porridge in the last bowl. This porridge is good. And then she continued eating until she was full. After eating, she decided she felt a little tired, so walked into the next room. There she saw some chairs. Goldilocks sat in the first chair. This chair is too big, so she sat in the second one. This chair is really too big, so she sat in the smallest. Ah, this chair is just right. But suddenly the chair broke into small pieces. Oops. Goldilocks was tired, so she went to the bedroom. She lay on the first bed, but it was too hard. She lay on the second bed, but it was too soft. Then she lay on the third bed. It was just right. Goldilocks fell asleep. While she was sleeping, three bears came home. Someone's been eating my porridge, said Papa Bear. Someone's been eating my porridge, said Mama Bear. Someone's been eating my porridge, cried Baby Bear. Someone's been sitting in my chair. Someone's been sitting in my chair. Someone's been sitting in my chair. And they've broken it into small pieces. The bears decided to look around, and when they got to the bedroom, Papa Bear growled. Someone's been sleeping in my bed. Mama Bear growled. Someone's been sleeping in my bed. Baby Bear cried. Someone's been sleeping in my bed, and she's still there. Goldilocks woke up, and when she saw the bears, she jumped up and ran out of the rooms. Goldilocks ran downstairs, opened the door, and ran away into the forest. Okay. Story we've all heard before, how good your listening skills. We're going to have a hands up, true or false. Everyone must participate. I'm going to ask you some questions and very simple, all the answers are either true or false. Goldilocks knocked on the door before entering the house. True or false? Hands up for true. Hands up for false. Mostly trues. It is true, well done, Goldilocks did knock on the door. Okay. <laughs> the bears had porridge for breakfast. Hands up for true. Hands up for false. Well done to those who went against the crowd. Uh, they, had porridge. We, uh, they had porridge. We don't know what time of the day it was. It might have been breakfast. It might have been lunch. It might have been dinner. Uh, Papa Bear's porridge was too hot. Hands up for true. Hands up for false. Okay, we know the first bowl was hot. We're not sure it's Papa Bear's. I'm sorry, I'm being pernickety. You're all making assumptions. Okay. The information's all here. The information's all there. There were three bears. Hands up for true. Hands up for false. You're all getting nervous now, okay? There were three bears, don't worry. We know there were three bears. Excellent. Okay, last one, and this really tests your listening skills. 
Goldilocks went upstairs to the bedroom. Okay, hands up for true. Okay, hands up for false. Okay, a mixed reaction there. Whenever I said that she went to the bedroom, she went to the bedroom. However, when she ran out of the house, she ran downstairs. So she did go upstairs to the bedroom. Uh, it's funny. We do, have, we do have different versions of the story. We hear different stories. We have our own perception of what these stories are and how they're made up. But storytelling really matters. We have to remember that when the Bible was first communicated, it was an oral tradition. It was communicated via conversation, via people standing up and, and reading it out. And when you went to school, uh, you didn't necessarily go to school to learn your numeracy and literacy. The key goal when you went to school was to learn the Bible. In fact, not just to learn it, but to learn it off by heart. And the better you were at memorizing the Bible, the better you were progressing through the next stages of your career. And if you couldn't memorize the Bible, you went off to do whatever your family job was, whether that was a carpenter or uh, a butcher, baker, candlestick maker, whatever it might be, that was how you were led through. So the stories we read matter. And actually the structure of our stories matter too. When we come to the Bible, when the, when it was first constructed. It wasn't separated into chapters and verses. But now we do have it separated into that. And if you're following along in your Bibles today, you'll notice a very strange thing happens in this chapter 8. In verse 1, when it appears for us, if you have it in front of us, a title appears halfway through. And Saul approved of their killing him. And then there's a break. And then we go on to, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. We have to ask ourselves, why does this structure matter? Why was Saul, we, we, we've just finished last week as we uh, had the stoning of Stephen, the first martyr. And this passage kind of sticks out as being part of that story. There's a break, but yet it is still included within our structure of chapter 8. Halfway through verse 1 uh, in the NIV and many other versions, there's a subtitle appears in, The Church Persecuted and Scattered. So we ask ourselves, just like we will for any comprehension text, why does this appear? What is the importance of this appearing in our passage? Chapter 8 of Acts is a really important shift in the progression of the church. This is a really important time for the church as it moves into a really important chapter of growing, but also in persecution. Stephen was famous uh, or, or infamous or well-known for being the first martyr. Up until this point, Christians haven't really faced the danger of death. And now suddenly they face the danger of death. They know that this is not just an empty threat. They have seen it happen and now there is a fear amongst them. And so they spread, they scatter, they run away, all except for the heroes of our story, the apostles. They stay, they remain behind to face whatever danger comes up. And that's really important. As we come through, we've got our hero who is saying, we are staying to face whatever we come up against. What is, the face, what is it they're facing? What is it they're coming up against? Well, that is why our passage begins with Saul. And Saul approved of their killing him. 
Saul becomes a really important character for us. We're going to find out a lot about Saul over the next couple of uh, chapters of the Bible, how Saul progresses. And then arguably a large bit of the rest of this Bible is down to Saul and his words and his input. And this is the first time we really come across him in a main role. So the disciples, they, they stay and they look after the burial for Stephen and they make sure that they are known as good men. Regardless of what happens, regardless of, of all that is going on, they are remembered amongst this community as being people who stayed to bury Stephen and to mourn deeply for him. They realize the importance of doing the right thing in this moment and not abandoning their friend even after his death. If you remember back to two weeks ago, chapter eight is promises fulfilled. It is things coming true. It is proclamations that are made early in the book of Acts coming to fruition. Yet we can also realize this week that those promises weren't easy come about. They were a difficult thing to happen. They were, there was strict persecution and it was a very difficult time for them. Philip, he heads out to Samaria. Now, Samaria was of course the home of a group of people known as the Samaritans, yes. Have we come across Samaritans at other times in the Bible? Do any of the boys or girls know another story to do with Samaritans? We're nodding heads, but is anyone gonna shout it out? Good Samaritan, maybe, yeah. When I think Samaritans, I go to Good Samaritans. And Good Samaritans is one that often comes up. A lot of uh, my work in our youth center uh, involves work within Protestant and Catholic communities and the divisions that, uh, that, that have been created over many years within Northern Ireland. And the Good Samaritans is a story that's often come back to as it is a story of two communities, traditionally, who don't get on. And this is the context we have with Philip going to Samaria. He goes and he meets with a group of Samaritans who wouldn't have readily accepted a group of Jews coming in. And up until this point, God, uh, the Gospels and the work that has happened has largely been within Jewish areas. Yes, there have been other people come to faith, but it is largely within groups of Jewish areas. And we meet now Philip. Now, this is not Philip the Apostle. This is Philip, one of the seven appointed people. Um, and he goes, and in verse 5 and 6, he goes down to the city in Samaria and proclaims the Messiah there. And in verse 6, the crowd hears Philip and saw the signs he performed. They all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. He goes into this area and proceeds the gospel in a fantastic way. He takes the word of God and this is the first real experience of it being offered to a new community of people. This is the gospel being taken wider than just where it has been based and beginning to become a global entity which we know today. This is the spreading of the gospel and of the world, of the word. Story matters. The story is really important as we progress through this. He knows there's great miracles, there are people healed. There is joy in that city. There is joy for all to experience. And then our reading progressed on a little bit and we come to verse 12. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men 
and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. If I'd have read Goldilocks to you this morning and left out a large section of Goldilocks breaking the chairs and eating the food that was too hot or too cold, it might have become a slightly difficult story. But we've left this little bit out this morning about Simon. We've missed a little bit of the fuller picture. Simon comes, and Simon was a man who didn't really proceed in a great mannerism. He believed in things that weren't of God, and people followed him because he, he looked like he was doing really good things. Yet even these influential people in society, these people who are most influenced, these people who had many followers themselves, became followers of the word. Why would Simon make a decision from being a minor celebrity within his community to becoming a persecuted Christian following a group of believers who were given a hard time, who faced beatings, who faced capture, and who faced death. This man most certainly was giving up many things to follow Christ. We are all called to give up many things. To give up, sometimes I think it's, more, it, it's, it's easier for us to give up our life than it is to give up our popularity. What does it mean for us to have people think negatively of us because of our countercultural beliefs? Are we more willing to be standing here today proclaiming things that people will like us for or things that we believe to be true? Simon realized that for him, the most important thing in his life wasn't going to be what people thought of him, the money he could gain from it, the, the admiration, but instead he sacrificed all that he had to, ba to be baptized himself and to follow Philip everywhere astonished by the great signs and miracles going on. In this story, we come and we are met with a horrible time for all. We see that there is persecution. We see a story with death. We see a story with fear. And by the end of these 13 verses, we see persecution change the love. We see death restored in healing. And we see fear change to joy. In verse 8 again, so there was great joy in this city. The persecution, death, and fear are no more. Instead, we have love, healing, and joy. This is what we are called to. This is what we celebrate. As we stand and as we sing this morning, as we gather together in our prayers, in our worship, in all of our acts, we remember the reasons we do it, the God that we follow, and the truth that he proclaims. Amen. We'll finish this morning with our closing benediction, which we'll say together. Uh, let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Blessing, honor, and glory be yours, here and everywhere, now and forever. Amen. Thank you.